Wednesday Comics. To my right, AP18 himself. Alex, how you doing? Hello, everybody. To my left, you dub himself. Garrett, how you doing? Doing good. Wednesday Comics Podcast. My name is Marvin. We're here, as always, to tell you the comic books coming out uh, this week and also some reviews of some books we were uh, read in the last uh, seven days and also talk about a book in, uh, in our uh, always exciting book club. Uh, Garrett? Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary Dental People proudly present Sheets by Brenna Thumbler. There you go. We'll talk about Sheets later, the second part of it. Um, and uh, uh, maybe just some uh, normal shenanigans. But there we go. There's a podcast uh, lineup for you. Now let's get into uh, the actual meat of the show. Lineup. You can hear from my voice. A little straggly today. A little, uh, a little more uh, bass in it. Uh, have a little sore throat. Not really sore throat. It's dry in here. And so I was coughing all night last night. So I woke up and my throat hurt. But it's not like a sore throat. Like when I swallow, it doesn't hurt. But I can definitely tell mm. that uh, it's been aggravated. Hey, if you can feel that, it's time to back off the caffeine and just drink more water, Marvin. Oh, you oh, just, yeah. you reminded me. I did purchase uh, something to drink during this podcast so that my voice wouldn't be shot by the end of it. And I left it in the uh, freezer. Mm. So uh, Hopefully it's not a can of something because well, we got about 50 minutes left to go it, grab that it's stuff. Been in oh, there, you put it in the freezer? It's been in there for about an hour, so I mean, I probably should get it. Ooh, that's and probably a good idea. Me and Alice can fill some space. Here, here's the thing. I'm going to ask you guys a question <laughs> and then you're going to fill some space here. Um, <laughs> and he's gotten up. Oh, you know what, you guys? You know what you should talk about? Uh, th- that pause came from because I couldn't think of what was the newest Marvel show that I never kept up on. But you guys re- watched all of What If. What if? Why don't you guys talk yeah. about your thoughts on that overall and uh, what do you think might come out of that? And uh, we'll be back in uh, like two minutes. Perfect. Well, uh, with What If, there were some episodes that are really good. Um, there were some that were like, meh. Um, however, it is kind of lame that, like, there was zero continuity, and then, like, the last two, three episodes are like, but now there's actual continuity with these alternate universes. So, I get it's like a, a play box, so you can kind of do whatever you want, but I didn't like that. I was like, you guys gotta stick to the same formula, like, if you're gonna, d- I get there's no rules on the what if, but I was not a fan of, like, Oh, here's all these one-offs, and then actually they're all connected. But it felt like there was a... I don't know, like, when you got to the end, when it felt like there should have been a continuous story. Like, so, my biggest gripe is that Gamora shows up in the last episode, and you don't get her uh, origin story. And you do, but it's all thrown in as part of the final episodes. Mm-hmm. And I thought how how not to do justice for Gamora, who has been important in both main storyline and this one. I just, I don't know. It was good. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. The art was the art was good. Not art. That's not the right way. Animation mm-hmm. was good, and the the voice talent fantastic. I agree there. Part. Yeah, but there I wanted more out. Of, I mean, for the hype that I had had going into this. Outside of spoilers, it's been over now for about a month. Uh, Ultron being, you know, essentially Thanos with the power gauntlet, or not power gauntlet, but the Infinity Stones, that was cool. 
mm-hmm. and then it got redundant. I, don't know, I just there's I wanted more out of it. And when you get the Killmonger character who we think is a good he's not a good guy in his own story, but he plays a I don't even want to say a pivotal point in his he still turns into a bad guy and still power corrupts him and that bugged me. Yeah. But I mean that was always gonna be I think how his character was gonna play out because he was deceiving everyone from the beginning. I I have to say that I think my favorite episode was the zombie episode. At least that's the one I had most fun with. Um I thought the most pointless episode and like I feel bad even saying this because it was the Thor episode, like when he's chilling on Earth with Loki and stuff. Yeah. I was like, what a waste of mind space. Like, it's just an episode of Marvel characters getting drunk and, like, Thor's trying to clean up before his mom gets there. I was like, that was not what I was expecting for one of the last episodes. I I think the one I, I disliked the most was probably the um, Captain Carter. Just the fact that it took note for note Captain America First Avenger. Except for it's her. I liked her as a yeah. character. I just didn't care for the rehashing of a story that we've already been told. For me, it, the uh, the one that I I know has been getting a lot of praise is like the T'Challa Star Lord. Like I like that episode, but I don't think like like making T'Challa Star Star Lord was just weird to me. Like it, it just didn't fit. I um, agree. Best one is zombies. Yeah, and. What I really liked about that episode, too, is, like, the surprise from, uh, okay, spoiler alert, Thanos. Like, when Thanos in that episode, I thought it was cool to, like, see, like, a kind of, like, a good side Thanos. Oh, that was kind of cool. Thanos was good, and I, I did enjoy the uh, the Vision part of it, where Vision finds, you know, we think, oh, Vision's keeping all these, these zombies at bay, when to turn out it's not really him who's keeping them at bay, it's her. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, she's terrifying. Yeah, she's fucking scary. Who is? That one run into her. Spoilers, Marvin. Who is terrifying? Marvin just said it. Can't say it. There we go. Alex just said it. (laughs) Uh, Did you guys want to wrap up? We're good. I'm good. I mean, it was good. I enjoyed it to an extent. So Uh, now that I'm back. I thought it was going to be more to it. Give me a non-spoiler rating. I would give it a seven. Yeah, seven sounds about good. So, you, you I would be, it, hopefully season two will be much stronger. You, you both give it a seven out of five? Nope. Whoa, that's that good, huh? You're right. We didn't ask enough questions. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, well, sit back and enjoy. And, uh, don't ask any more questions about the next part here, Alex. Uh, it is the focus forecast, so let's get into that. The uh, uh, Radiant Black, number nine, Kyle Higgins and Marcello Costa. Time passes slowly. Lockport recovers, but faced with a city that no longer wants him around and still reeling from the unimaginable loss, Marshall has to ask, is it time to leave town for good? What do you think you're... Get it? Uh, That's really surprising to me because I read the last issue and it didn't seem like uh, Marshall was going to start uh, going off on his own. Um, But uh, I think the series has been great. I mean, it is... Like a different version of Power Rangers, I would say. And Kyle Higgins used to write the Power Rangers run, but um, I think this book's just unique because it's using a different kind of like method for these hero, these characters to get powers and whatnot. And there's someone chasing them, 
and the person chasing them is pretty terrifying and ruthless. So, um, I'm cool seeing like Radiant as like his own thing, but I like the team dynamic as well. So I dig the book and the art is so good. There you go. Uh, a little Kyle Higgins agate action. Uh, Hellboy Bones of Giant. Bones of Giant. Not Boys of Giant. Bones of Giant, number one of four. Mike Mignola, Christopher Golden, and Matt Smith on art there. Uh, when startling discovery is made in Sweden, the BPRD send Hellboy and Ape Sapien to investigate uh, what ensues is a wild adventure full of Norse legends, mythical creatures, and a threat that could, that could bring not just Earth, Earth, but the nine realms of North mythology to Norse mythology to their knees. Uh, based on the illustrated novel by Mike Minnell and Christopher Golden, this four-part comic series is an adaptation of Hellboy. The Bones of Giants brings readers into Hellboy's fight against the Frost Giants with stunning art, stunning art from Matt Smith. So I was going to ask uh, Alex whether or not Mike Pignola was actually writing this or whether he just puts his name on it now, but it looks like it's based on something he wrote before. And they're making it into uh, a comic. He does put his name on the book. I mean, it, he created Hellboy, so to an extent, he always has his hand in it, but he's not always writing it. But this one, Which hand, the small one or the big one? What? Which hand does he usually have in it, the big one or the small one? Uh, shut up. <laughs> I thought you were asking a Hellboy-related question. You weren't. Whatever. <laughs> what do you think uh, uh, about this book? So actually, the reason I got this, I wanted to put this on my list, was the fact that uh, it was Hellboy going up against North Mythology characters. Uh, that made me super excited for the fact that I was reading Norse Mythology uh, by Neil Gaiman, or Gaiman, whatever, Gaiman, Gaiman, there you go. Um, I, sorry, I am so flustered for some reason, I didn't even have a cup of coffee yet, jeez. Uh, but I, I, you know what, it's been a long time since I've had Hellboy on the list, probably the last time I did was 2018's uh, Winter Special. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try getting back into some Hellboy. See if he's still amazing or not. And to know that it's already been a pre-written book over getting this in pictures, fantastic. That much easier. Uh, Primordial, number two of six. Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. Walta on the cover there. The uh, thrilling new series from Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino, which, by the way, they are announcing a new book, too. I saw Sorrentino teasing it. Uh, so this isn't the only thing they're working on together. As uh, Latkia's mission strays from the launch pad, the origins of her involvement are illuminated back on Earth. Dr. Pembroke uh, attempts to uncover the truth in West Berlin. So we go a little uh, primordial uh, book. Which I was thinking, actually, by the way, where are my uh, concerns about the uh, Echo Lands book and how it's hard to read in digital? At least the... Uh, format that I chose to read it in this book because of Sorrentino the way he kind of does his art but I don't find it hard to read in digital I don't know why I think there's less going on that's why like it's more focused than um that book was so there we go looking forward to that uh, one of the Jeff Lemire brothers uh the other one I'm not sure what he's doing so um Dark Knights of Steel, number one. That's Tom Taylor and Yasmin Purity on art. An entire medieval world that will forever change. Uh, that will be forever changed when a spaceship crash lands from a doomed planet. Monarchs will die. Kingdoms will rise. And what seems to be the end of the world for many was only the beginning. An epic high fantasy story set in the DC Universe where nothing is what it seems. From Tom Taylor, worldwide best-selling writer. 
and acclaimed artist Yasmir Puri come a uh, generational tale of good and evil within the brand new DCU. Uh, Garrett? Heck yeah. Medieval times, DC universe. Let's go. Uh, Tom Taylor writing it. Like, that's incredible. Like, Tom Taylor is on such a huge uh, streak right now. He's doing amazing. Did I say Tom King or say Tom Taylor? You're right, Taylor. Okay, I did say Taylor. I thought I said King. But yeah, Tom Taylor is doing um, so good right now. And, like, I can't wait to see this take on, you know, the DC Universe or conflict in medieval times. And already seeing some of the, like, concept art for some of the characters. It's pretty awesome. And, you know, I... I do compare it to like the new Dark Ages book in Marvel, and it's like good time to be a comic fan to get some of this cool like functional armor and like drawing and art right now. So I'm super excited for this series. What's your favorite medieval tale? Favorite medieval tale? I mean King Arthur. King Arthur's story. You mean just in general, or no version of it? I mean, I don't know. There's like a million versions, but if I had to pick. I'm saying, what is your favorite piece of art that comes out of the medieval times? I mean, what is mm. like, what movie or a story? What story? I'm thinking that's just a lot to throw at somebody. Sword of the Stone, like... A Knight's Tale. King Arthur, uh, Arthur. So I do love a Knight's Tale, but the Merlin series with Merlin, Sam Merlin, Sam Neil. Yep, Alan. Alan. Now it would be considered medieval times if I chose Lord of the Rings, because that is a different time. Maybe mm. not medieval times. I'm not. I mean, it's in the same vein. I would, but Sword in the Stone is probably uh, one of my favorites. Uh, like the animated sword. If I'm gonna rank two of my favorite Disney movies, it's that and Grey Mouse Detective. Um, nice. But in Sword in the Stone, if uh, you have you guys seen it? Yep. There's a part where he turns to a squirrel, and that girl squirrel like wants to uh, uh, be with him, and he's like, "No, I'm a human," and stuff like that. That part, for some reason, as a kid, as a kid freaked me out. <laughs> You're afraid <laughs> of a squirrel. I get it. And, well, see, I'm also scared. In when I remember being a kid, in, in Roger Rabbit. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit when he, when uh, Eddie goes to the Toontown and there's that fake Jessica Rabbit that like wants to kiss him and she chases him down. I'm also scared. I also remember being scared of that as a kid. <laughs> so I think it's just people uh, trying to get with you when you don't want them to. So boundaries. To be baby. Fair, that, the one where Eddie is getting chased, that one I, I can understand. He was the live person being chased by a cartoon character. That is scary. And she is nowhere near as attractive as Jessica Rabbit, so also understand. I think that whole Toontown thing freaked me out because he's a normal person in this world where they're all cartoons, and they all seem psycho. Like, you had Droopy, who makes him fall in the elevator. You had her, and then I think later on, doesn't Daffy or somebody, like, give him balloon, a balloon uh, toilet seat or something like that? Or a toilet seat, not balloons? I don't know. What is, whatever. Anyways, freaked me out as a kid. Uh, human target number one, Tom King, uh, the aforementioned Tom King, but not really aforementioned because he was talking about Tom Taylor, but he thought he said Tom King. Uh, and he said he was on a streak, which also uh, is the same thing for Tom King. Right, Alex? Uh, Greg Smallwood. Uh, Christopher Chance. I read this last week, but I'll read it again. Christopher Chance has made a living out of being a human target. A man hired him. A man hired to disguise himself as his client to invite would-be assassins to attempt his murder. 
He had a remarkable career with his latest case, protecting Lex Luthor. When things go sideways, an assassination attempt chance didn't see coming leaves him vulnerable and left trying to solve his own murder. As he has 12 days to discover who just in the DCU hated Lex Luthor enough to want him dead. Uh, hard Target. Human Target, excuse me. Hard Target is a different movie. Kurt Russell, I believe. <laughs> uh, is a hard-boiled, greatest story in the vein of classic detective noirs told by best-selling and critically acclaimed creators Tom King and Greg Smallwood. Do you guys ever watch that TV show, Human Target? On uh, Fox? I checked out the pilot, but that was It was it. pretty good. I never kept going. It was pretty yeah. good. You know, Alex, if you were any uh, character from a DCU, this would be you. You would be like, let me pretend to be you. They'll come for me, and I'll kill them. That's you, baby. Somebody does? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. So basically, let's say somebody was trying to kill Garrett. You would pretend you were Garrett, take him out of the situation, send him to the Bahamas. Uh, Bahamas? Sure. Is this Bahamas. A, Bahamas. I don't know why that sounds weird the way I said that. Bahamas. And uh, and you would pretend to be Garrett, follow his schedule, dr- dress as him. So when they come to kill Garrett, You'd be like, like, you would take off your mask and be like, nope, it's just me. And then you would try to kill them instead. So, that's so he's an target. assassin of assassins. He makes himself the target. The human target. That's cool. <clears throat> so there we go. Enjoy the story. Or in this book. Issue number one, it doesn't say that it's a limited series, but if Tom King is uh, uh, is recent runs have been any indication, this is probably 12 issues. It does say book one on the cover instead of number one, so I'm assuming that that means there's going to be a finite amount and it is also a black label book so uh now rorschach was black label wasn't it i don't know was it uh i can never I tell because it came, was i get them digitally so i don't even know any difference i didn't realize how big those books were physically mm-hmm. that a prestige format i didn't know that shit anyways this right here is my choice of the week alex uh put on the list first so um but if i'm gonna say any book has me super intrigued. It is Newborn number one. Newborn number one. Yep. With cheap. Oh, surprise. I got a good one out there with my voice. Uh, Nadia Shamas, uh, uh, Jacob Phillips, and uh, Zaid Youssef uh, Ayub on art there. So we have uh, Jacob Phillips of that Texas blood, which we'll talk about later. And cheap. Sadarsky. Uh, Easton Newburn is a private detective without loyalties, investigating conflicts between rival crime factions while collecting enemies along the way. In this debut issue, a man is murdered after stealing from his own mafia family, but they aren't the ones who order the hit. So it's so it's basically he's the mob's detective, like all the different kind of crime factions use him to figure out what's going on to uh, you know, figure it out and not have to go to the cops. So uh, it's a very interesting premise. Uh, Jacob Phillips uh, art. How can I not fucking, you know, want to read this that goddamn book? That cover's fantastic. So very much looking forward to it. These kind of stories are my favorite stories. And so I got Human Target and I got this coming out the same week, Alex. What the fuck's going on here? It's my birthday. I don't even know, I, I don't even know what I'm going to put on this coming week for both. You know what? I got three choices. <sighs> You know, I, I was there's three books that I thought about putting on next week's list. Maybe we so. do a triple. We do New Newburn, Human Target, and then uh, the uh, Steel one. What's it called? I just read it. Dark Knights of Steel. That that That's sounds like good. That good sounds like a good three combo. We got Chip, Tom, and Tom. Tom, oh. Chip, Tom. CTT. Tom, Chip, Tom sounds a little better. Tom, Chip, Tom. A chip Pete. sandwich. Bro. Yeah, 
TCT, baby. Zadarsky in the middle, as he likes. There you go. Uh, those are the books coming out this week. You know, a very strong week from when I was looking through the list initially, I was like, I don't know. Like, I couldn't really find uh, anything that I got super excited for besides the human target. But then you guys pull out two fucking gems. And uh, here we go. I'm pumped. If it's three books, if, if three books of your stack is excellent, that's a good week, baby. Um, Boom. That's, that's how a week should be every week. Because mm-hmm. every once in a while when you get one of these books that's like, you know, you read it and it and it's so good that you have to just like kind of savor it in your head for the rest of the day. That's worth the money. So uh, I'm assuming one of these three will do that. If not, we'll talk about it next week. So, uh, Alex, uh, you know, a little chilly outside. Uh, going to stay that way? You know, getting a little warmer? What's going on out there? So, you know what? Uh, this week, the weekdays, still going to be chilly. And that's, you know, that's the first week of November for you. She shows up frosty and ready to freeze your balls but then we get into uh we get into saturday sunday starts warming up next week a little bit more above uh the normal it's gonna get good everybody it's gonna get really really comfortable and then guess what right when you get comfortable shit's gonna hit the freezer and you're gonna be freezing balls and everything else off you know what no snow in october for us at least here in the uh south dakota region sioux falls west river they got snow but um, what kind of winter are you anticipating? Let's do a little Groundhog's Day here, uh, Alex. What, what kind of winter are you uh, think is going to happen? I I suspect it's going to be really snowy and really cold. For how hot it got in June and May at 90 degrees already, uh, Mother Nature didn't waste any time. We also didn't have a lot of rain in the uh, the summer, so you know what? I'm guessing we're either going to pay the price and it's going to be super snowy, add on to below 50 four times within the 21-22 winter. You heard him, folks. Alex believes and you can't get away one day that it becomes due. That's what he said. Too hot? Guess what? Can be cold. No rain? Guess what? A lot of rain. It's coming. It will become due. So there we go. Uh, The Alex forecast. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. With that, uh, I hope that uh, this segment in your daily, uh, in your weekly life, uh, was worth your degree. And uh, more morally, I'm going to make enemies when it turns out it's true, and the meteorologists don't even. Alex, I talked to your, I talked to your your meteorology school, and they told me, you know, don't worry about paying back that student loan from them. That you just have to work for me for fifty years, and then they'll just re- just clear it out. I gotta so, work for you for fifty. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you know what I mean for free, now, honestly. For free. One of us will die before the other, so I probably yeah. make it to fifty years, but it's okay. I mean, you were even working for me for uh, I every once I in, in real life, I'm just like Alex. What's the weather gonna be like? So I have you know, I use I use your your uh, your uh, services a lot. The one time we doubted him, we got the weather shoved in her face. So that's so. why I don't I don't judge anymore. I had different information in front of my face, but I let him talk. He knows what's up. Not this other people that go out there. So. <laughs> Actually, he was wrong. He exactly what they said, too. Uh, here we go. That Texas Blood. Let's get into these reviews brought to you by Raymond Comics and Cards. Actually, Raymond Comics and Cards uh, does the first part. RaymondComicsandCards.com, your definitive source for all things comics. Go there, get a comic book. As uh, before the show, we were talking about uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El, selling out fast. So make sure to call and reserve your copy of uh, RaymondComicsandCards.com. Get it there, too. It's a book we talked about last week, and a lot of buzz around the upcoming issues there, so a little hard to find. You know what that is? Speculation market, Garrett. Those motherfuckers uh-huh. always come in and buy these comics. All I want to do is read them and have them in my hands. 
But these guys roll in and they think some it's going to be worth some money, so they buy 50 copies. And then you don't even got one. Right. Exactly. I'm like, hey, what about the guy that's been collecting since issue one? What about those collectors? Yeah. Pretty yeah. scalpers. They said, you know, Garrett, I know you've been getting this. I know Superman's your favorite hero of all time. And anything that Superman related comes out, you're like, I'm going to get that and at least try it. And uh, and when it becomes horrible and it's not good anymore, you'll still get it. I know that's how devoted you are to this character. And they said, you know what? There's a chance that I might make $50 off one issue. So fuck you. All right. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. Even if you made $50 off one of those issues and you bought 50 copies, so $250, is it worth the hassle? I guess if you're hustling enough and you do that like weekly. But there's not big enough comic things that come out weekly for you to... uh, The speculation market's dumb to me, I feel like, because it's like there's not enough going on that it's worth the effort. Like you really, they really should be going for like... Uh, football cards, baseball cards, like those have more, I think, value in terms of like you get something and it, it'll quickly go up in value if that person does good that season, then you can sell it for quick money. But I don't know, but I don't do any of that, so I'm not sure. Here we go, take that Texas Blood number eleven. Uh, Chris Condon, Jacob Phillips, uh, Ever Sold 1981 Part Five. Talking about here issue eleven. Uh. I just want to say, so the, uh, this whole story has been about the, uh, the, <clears throat> the, uh, I guess they're not really a, a cult of, they're not worshiping Satan. They're worshiping this, uh, bat God that basically is kind of like the devil, a devil bat, bat devil, you know, kind of the person that, uh, Ace Ventura was afraid of in the second Ace Ventura movie, you know? He was scared that bats were, uh, from the devil. And, uh, in this one, it is true. They are, Worshipping the devil. So we have this two kids, brother and sister. And at the beginning of the story, we actually see when she gets abducted, uh, these uh, three people were showing her a doll and take her in the truck. And the boy sees them drive off and he chases them on their bike. And in an issue prior, we had saw that um, Joe Bob is a, a family friend and they were playing fake guns one day, cops and robbers. And this kid fake shot his sister, but she was unarmed. So Joe Bob said, hey, you can't shoot unarmed people. You can't do this. Um, And kind of taught him the morals of having a gun and going to protect you. Uh, Guns there, but you also have to remember, like, there are rules to having a gun. So he goes and chases these people and he figures out where they're at, uh, that they're at this ranch. And he sees that they are going to sacrifice his sister. So he pulls out the gun. And uh, he has a little flashback here. And I'm assuming because I, I'm trying to remember back, Alex. So let me dig into this steel trap here for a second to see if you can remember. Otherwise, I can go back and check. Um, in the first issue, did he get any shots off? Did he shoot any of them? Well, so I read, I had to read 10 and, and 11 tonight. And I'm pretty sure he got a shot off, but he got shot back. He got shot in return. And then they, then they cut off... Uh, Somebody's head? His head? No, his head was still attached. They cut off some of their heads, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, like their... I, think was, I think it was when they were stealing virgins that they were cutting their heads off. Because okay. it's meant to symbolize the bat eating their head. So he got a shot off. He didn't really, as Joe Bob mentions in... Because Joe Bob's telling this story to one of his deputies. 
and he mentions that the kid got closer to helping his sister than uh, he probably uh, should have. Not should have. That's not what he says. Um, what does he say? What went through his head when the, he wanted to save his sister and he got closer than he had any right to get. Bless him. So, I mean, this kid... I mean, that part of the beginning I thought was, as somebody who has kids, uh, was terrifying and also gut-wrenching that this brother wanted to protect his sister. And that's the last feeling that he had before he died. And his sister has to see her brother die in front of her and then get kidnapped and basically taken where we see her go to this issue where they're going to go sacrifice her, basically. So, um, you know, reading this whole story, we have one more issue of this arc left. Uh, I'm guessing by the uh, his Spotify playlist, it says 7 through 12 for this one. So, um, it, it's equal parts terrifying because of the situation and what these people do, but also, in a way, very entertaining because we get to see more insight in Joe Bob, and I like Eversol a lot. I like that character. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, if there's like a uh, standout character of the second volume, it's definitely Eversol, and I don't know if you guys saw in the letters column I did that, read that, yeah. uh, that, that they're talking about potentially doing an Eversol series, which would be a lot of fun. Well, Jacob Phillips was like, hey, what what if we did a series? And Chris Condon was like, oh, okay, that's a good, interesting idea. Chris Condon, you know what's interesting to me is that he talks about at the end that the first arc was kind of more to figure out the characters and kind of get his footing. And then he told this story to uh, tell some more stories about uh, Joe Bob and go back uh, a little bit. And he never expected, for some reason, he said, he, could, he goes, I never expected you guys to like, like this that much, this story. But I think people really enjoy this character. And Eversol is a nice addition and a nice kind of foil to Joe Bob. And I think it's just nice to see uh, him in his prime. I mean, he's a good character. I like him. And as you mentioned, Garrett, like Eversol is a standout character within his arc. And especially in in this issue. Um, is it this issue? Yeah, yeah it is. It is this issue where they figured out that they're in the attic. And the whole Eversol interaction with the cult and he's like, kill him. I don't care if you kill me. And then he's, he yells at Joe Bob because Joe Bob does, actually doesn't go through with it. And he gives up. And they get captured. He's like, why didn't you shoot? He goes, because I would have killed you. He goes, I don't care. I would rather die knowing you killed him and took him out of this world before he can sacrifice that little girl than uh, be alive and let him bring about the end of the world. And I think just that kind of character, because uh, Joe Bob's, uh, uh, the sheriff... His boss thinks that Eversol's in it for the money. When you see that he really isn't, and he's in it really to help, and and he really hates this guy with uh, the bottom of his uh, heart. Uh, he hates this guy, and uh, I think that really makes him kind of this character who is like a traveling. It almost reminds me of you two who are really into this. Um, uh, in Supernatural, isn't there a character kind of like this? That like is a guy that goes around. Maybe I just misinterpret who this fucking character is, but who's the guy who like always wears that jacket, that like trench coat? Oh, Castiel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, eh, sort of. I mean, technically, yes, he can travel anywhere in like an instant. But I get what you're saying, though. Like the the guy that shows up every now and again to like help out. I would think more Bobby is closer to the to Eversol than Castiel is, but 
What do you guys think of this issue? I, I thought it was awesome. Um, you know, I think uh, the relationship between Joe Bob and Eversol was probably the most fun part of it. Obviously, it's a very dark issue, so like to have fun. But those two characters, like it was like a buddy cop movie. So it was kind of fun seeing them interact. Um, and uh, I did have one Alex gripe. Uh, there's a scene where Joe Bob is fighting with the two people and they have like the shotguns. And like there's one point where Joe Bob like rips a shotgun out of one person's arms. The other guy, the other minion, clearly has Joe Bob dead to rights with a shotgun. And I can't believe, like, obviously you don't want to kill off the main character, but if that was a real life situation, that guy would have blown Joe Bob's head off. Like, the shotgun's pointed right at his head. But that it makes I, it look like it's not right at him. And I'm like, no, that's not possible. I had so. a couple Alex moments. That was one of them, was the shotgun to the head where he should have just been. He should have fallen back down the ladder. Uh, the other one was that I thought that uh, Mr. Deputy Joe Bob would have been a little bit more secure in, in looking at his gun or having just climbed up the ladder all the way and checked his gun. But he's checking on the ladder and then drops it. And well, he's a the rookie at that point. He's not, he's been in the force that long. Well, I, I judge that because why would you not just get, I mean, we watched uh, Eversol sneak by half those dudes before he ever got seen. Joe Bob could have just climbed up, checked the gun, been ready to go. Eversol's been doing this for a little bit, though. I guess. I So I'm looking at that page as you're talking about the dead to rights uh, shock on his face. I do see that. But for some reason, in two panels prior, the same guy is, like, walking weird. He's, like, walking like a penguin. And then in that panel... He like has one foot up and kind of leaning back when he's and he's like has a a bat and the gun. So maybe he's just a fucking idiot. I don't know, <laughs> but it did clearly show him like even the the guy in the mask. My uh, head is going to say that guy couldn't see out of that fucking mask and he was like stumbling to shit. Because Yanis, maybe maybe uh, Joe Bob scared him by grabbing the one dude's gun. So whoa, well there is a word bubble that says oh god. And it, it's pointed towards Joe Bob, but it seems weird that he would say that when he's pulling the gun. So maybe it's supposed to be from another guy. Then it would make more sense, right? If he's kind of falling mm-hmm. back and it says that, then Joe Bob got him. Um, uh, so I was like, wow, Joe Bob's like, not only is he Neo, but he's the Flash. Because he, <laughs> he could strip the shotgun out of one guy's hand and the guy pointing the shotgun at his face was not able to kill him instantly. Um, and then in the panel when they come back, you, that guy's not really around him, so I don't think they really accounted for that guy. You know, hearing um, actually this is different because there's only one artist. I was gonna say hearing uh from Phil Hester at SuperCon when we talked to him on how he kind of works in tangent with the uh, other inker and the colorists, and how sometimes by the time he would get to the next panel, like it would be weeks later. And so he wouldn't remember necessarily what just happened. And so he would put stuff in the wrong place and they would have to fix it. But this is just Jacob Phillips. So I mean, surely shouldn't be an issue. So um, I will say beyond those two things, which I agree with you guys looking at it now, um, when I was reading the back matter and he mentions that Jacob Phillips inks it first uh, and hand inks the, uh, the flashback stuff or the old story. And then the new one is, 
done digitally and like he was to give it a different look. That look of the uh, 70s story. Is it 70s? Yeah. Right? I don't know. I think so. I think it's the beginning of the issue, but I'm not going to go back and look. Um, I really enjoy and it really looks like his dad a lot. Um, and part of me almost wishes that we would get more of these stories because I like seeing that style a lot. So um, art's fantastic. I don't. There's never going to be an issue, I don't believe, at this point going forward. Where I'm going to be like, I don't know about Jacob Phillips. Maybe he's losing it because uh, he keeps seeming to get better per issue. Like when they cut to the outside towards the end of the issue and the storm's going on, and you see the house and it's just like croom, and it's like woof, 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 that noise when they were like pounding on the ground. And it's just like all that w- rain and uh, lightning. Fucking fantastic page. So mm-hmm. this issue. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I could win for uh, Joe Bob. Like he's talking to Everson. He's like, well, you know. It's coming along. I thought that the rest of the backup was going to show up at the end of that issue to at least be surrounding the house, but to find out with that lightning strike that there's still no one coming. Yeah. No one's there, at least. I thought. I thought that's why he gave up so easily because he knew that backup was close. But yeah, you're right. When they do that thing and you see that nobody's even close to there, it's like, oh, shit. Here we go. Um, Yeah, Garrett. Oh, yeah, I was just say, yeah, I, I I give it a 10. I thought that it's very suspenseful. Like, story was good. Yes, there was a couple gripes, but I think that's just the, our Alex mode of thinking when things don't make logistical sense. But I thought the story was good, and I'm excited for the conclusion of this arc. Like, I'm sad it's the conclusion of this arc, because I mean, there's probably a break coming up, but uh, it's been great. And the cover. I have to give it a 9. Because there was those logistical issues that pulled me out of the book. <laughs> Strallo. I read a book. I'm reading a book. and I, I But I was going to say I read a chapter um, two chapters ago, which told me that if the story is good enough, things like that don't matter. And nobody pays attention to them. Right? Same, they said because in Up, they didn't, they, uh, this is from the president of Pixar, they couldn't figure out how to make that older guy in Up uh, since he'd been out on that island for uh, long a long, long time, he shouldn't have still been alive. They thought, fuck it, we're not going to explain it. Who cares? And I read that part and I was like, you know who would care? The Strallo. <laughs> After you told me that, yeah, Up was ruined. I was like, I'll never watch this movie ever again. They'd be like, no, the only reason I want to watch is I want to cry three minutes into the movie. And then when he gets to the end, he's going to be mad, being like, how did I never notice this fucker's been alive for 200 years? Um, I remember looking at it, and I was like, oh, that dude should be older. But, you know, and like you said, I didn't care, because the movie was so good. Uh, this is one of those ones I just, now that we've talked about it, I'm like, no, I can't, I can't be forgiving of this one. Hey, I said the guy was bumbling around. Who knows what kind of uh, competency this guy has with his mask on. Maybe he can't see Joe Bob, because the guy, he can't look down. He has no perspective. He only can see forward. That's true. I don't know. Anyways, but uh, I like how the cover. I was we were trying. I was trying to figure out from the solicit we read last week when this was on the focus forecast, and uh, now knowing that they are in the attic and that's where the red comes from, and you see the cover is all dark except for a splot of a red. It makes that cover more fantastic. I feel like. Uh, and as nineteen eighty one is the year, and uh, uh, as Garrett stated, I think this is a ten for me. I just like. This obviously the issue with the rise in action. You think that they're fucked. But if this series is any indication, 
Uh, and as you just stated, Alex, when the lightning happens, you see that backup is not there yet. Uh, I don't think it's going to end in the happy way we think it might end. Because he's obviously telling his story. He's obviously traumatically impacted by this story. Because when he first saw the crime scene pictures, he like was shooken up by them. So I don't know if this is going to end exactly how he, in a happy way. So I'm excited to see the ending next uh, issue. As you stated, Garrett, uh, it probably be a little break in between. So that's kind of sad. Uh, but this uh, arc has been fantastic. You know what actually, this, I, you know what I like about this series also? The arcs aren't like always, because you get some series where the arcs are always like four issues. And so you know kind of what to expect. Four issues, four issues, four issues. The This series so far, I had a one shot to start it. And then had two through six, which is four issues. I don't know why I had to count it. Two, three, four, five, six. Oh, no, that's five. Uh, that's why I had to count it. And then this one's seven through 12, which is six issues. So we have a nice variety. And it feels like each story isn't the same length. And I kind of like that because um, it allows for longer stories if we need it or shorter stories where it one shot. So um, not many things do that. Astral City used to do that. And so I enjoy that. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where this goes. Uh, who knows? I have to give code to this book, though, that when you have a long string of word bubbles, uh, it never feels daunting to read. It always feels like it was needed to get from A to B. And that's both between 10 and 11. There are moments where it was a lot of white bubbles. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to suck. And I read every bubble and I was like, you know what? That actually really helped or was really worth it. So I, I know what page you're thinking about. I did the same thing, Double Take Today, uh, where it's like him and the sheriff. Joe Bob yeah. and the sheriff. I was like, "Oh my god!" And then I actually read it. And I was like, "Okay, that wasn't as bad." Right well, I think that's a uh, uh, yeah. I'm looking at the page you guys are talking about right now. Um, I think that's uh, kind of a compliment to Chris Condon because seeing that much text is daunting, and you're like, "Okay, what are we going to get into?" But none of that conversation feels like it's forced. It feels like they're actually just talking. So you actually seeing somebody talk back and forth, usually if it's interesting enough, isn't exhausting. Uh, but somebody explains something to you if it's not interesting, that's exhausting. So I think most a lot of comics use this, like use the text dump for exposition. Uh, and so that's when it's, you know, hard to read. And so but the thing is, though, the way that they talk through and you look at that page, it's like it could be boring, but uh, not the way that they write it. So Chris Condon. I think this is his, actually his first comic um, because before he was writing this story for the screen. Uh, and so I very much enjoy what he's doing. So uh, props to him. Props to uh, Jacob Phillips. Haven't seen any work out of your dad recently. I actually know they did that other book. Sorry. That graphic novel. I haven't seen any, you know, monthly work from your dad recently. So uh, looks like the uh, next issue is on the 24th of November, right? Time for Thanksgiving. You know, sure. gobble, gobble, motherfucker. And all of a sudden we're going to get the end of the series. So. Um, that that is saying if it comes out on time. A lot of books getting delayed because it's these uh, printer issues. I'm telling you about. All right, first they don't got paper. Now they don't got enough. Uh, the print uh, is uh too much in demand, and there's not enough uh, places open anymore to print these books. So, tell you what, we may eventually go to all online books. Who knows? But now they got to stop fucking digital books because your ass needs it in print. You know what I'm saying? Damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daredevil 35 from 
Zdarsky, uh, Stefano Landini, and Francesco Mubla, which I believe when I first read the solicitor for this, wasn't it Marco Cittetto on art? But now it's somebody else. I, no, I thought it was Landini, but I thought Mark was working on number 36, the final of this. Maybe. He did the last issue, didn't he? 34? No. 34 and 35 were both Landini. Ah, Land- yeah, it might have been 33. I've been bamboozled by Landini. You think it's, he's... So I was actually behind on both books, but That Texas Blood and Daredevil, so I had to catch up on two issues each. Hey, me too, baby. Um, I had them all, like I usually do, but I, for some reason, I had not read it yet. Uh, Batfight is way out of prison, so you know what I'm going to say, guys? Since I did read them back to back, I'll make this analogy. 34 I thought was great. 35 I have some issues with. Um, I find a little I agree with you. redundant yeah. and boring. And the art's fine. I'm not going to say anything about the art, actually. Uh, if you need a replacement for your title, fine art. You know, actually, I would rather Landini than who they used to be getting, and it felt like a big difference from uh, Chichetto. It feels like they actually found somebody who matches his style. Nothing to say about the art. Fantastic. Uh, well, not as bad as good as Chichetto, but you know what I mean. Um, but it really seemed like a lot of buildup for nothing because they really took out the bullseyes pretty easily. Um, and the. Uh, Matt coming and beating him like that's what not got him to like get his head out of being affected by that drug and it, he said it wore off but it really was hearing about bullseye that made him like want to leave and do something and I find it very hard to believe this guy who wanted to spend time in jail and do his time and but then he escapes because he hears bullseyes out and he needs to save the city when he told the lecturer watch out for the city for me and the lecturer started watch out for the city and it's like, did he just forget that she's out there? Or like, he's like, oh, fuck, she can't do it. I got to go do it. She died once from this motherfucker, so I got to go out there. <laughs> um, and then when they say, hey, it's time to go back to jail because you broke out, he's like, he's like, Avengers? And they're like, he's not going back. He was like, yeah, fuck you. And I was like, dude, you're the one. <laughs> For the longest time, they were trying to get you out. Uh, and you said, no, I got to stay here and do my time. And now when you escape jail and actually commit another crime, then then you're like fuck I'm not going back, and I was just like this is kind of weird. But uh, the Avengers yeah, being in this book ruined like, it for me. I think. Oh okay. yeah. You think the Avengers ruined it for you? Well, I mean, they're part in it where they're just like, "What have you done recently to the cop?" And I was like, "This seems kind of fucking weird for Spider-Man to say." <laughs> to yeah. This like unfortunately, this last issue has felt or 35 felt like a uh, a segue to wrap up the story, and yet leave it open and not open in a nice way. Like you said, that didn't feel like a Spider-Man notion. You know what you it never stayed a cop. You know what I feel like it is, Alex? Uh, it's it's a symptom of all these kind of Marvel or DC books where I don't feel like it's really any knock against the writer where at the end of the arc, they always have to reset it back to normal so the next person can kind of take over. And I feel like that's what this is. They're like, okay, he can't be in jail anymore. He has to be Daredevil again. And so, like, you kind of had trying to have to, like, write your way out of the box you built and go back to how it was. And it never feels natural. It always feels like you're resetting. Right. And that's, like, I think, uh, 
you can tell, I mean, with the new Electra Daredevil series coming out and whatnot, like, he wants to keep writing this. And so, it is very unfortunate, because this is the bullseye bullshit that I hate in Daredevil books. Like, yeah, not only did this seem like, like the least like Matt Murdock has since this run with Chip has started, but, like, when there's... Like the two issues ago, we have like God mode bullseye who's just like not yes. like shooting people like crazy, and then you get like all these clones of bullseyes, and they all fucking are like they suck. Like they're it's like henchmen. Like, this is the man who doesn't miss, but he always gets taken down because he misses. Okay. Yeah, and like each bullseye gets down taken down really easily, except for like the one that gets to Fisk. But even he gets taken out easily. So I'm just like, okay, so Bullseye was this big threat. But look, I guess he's not. So. Well, you know what? The sad thing is that, like you said, Marvin, Matt showed up and cold cocked him on the side of the face. That was enough. And then punched him one more time. Yeah, he punched him twice and he was taken out. I was like, dude, did nobody try to punch this guy in the face. <laughs> Apparently that's his weakness, punches to the face. Two punches. When is the last issue you guys next, said? Next issue. 36. Well, it's supposed so, to be December, I think, now, isn't it? Yeah, they de- it was supposed to be 36, which would have came out this month, but they delayed it, and now it's coming out, like, mid-December. Okay. But they delayed it because of those printer issues I told you about. But, uh, uh, but yeah, but, it was just such a bummer, because, like, even Cole North's role in this was, like, he's, like, helping Kristen McDuffie just, like, okay, yeah, sure, Daredevil can just do whatever he wants. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, I don't I yeah, it was pretty bad story wise. I just like it left a bad taste in my mouth. I think I would like to see a like this could have been an uh quote unquote ongoing book, but then let Chip end it. I mean, much like what Tom King does for DC, gets a character, writes a fantastic twelve issue run, and you can use that character later on in life, but let us see a story of this character on its own. And that's what I wanted to see with this Daredevil. You get to this, and like we discussed, you you have to reset the standard. The slate has to be clean, and everything has to be T's crossed and I's dotted, so that the next person can write what they want. His character actually also like has reverted back to old Matt. Like any kind of character growth or choice that he made since the beginning of Chip's run just has to go back to how he was. So like he finds out that these people have been drugging people when they get out of jail. That they get aggravated easily and more likely to recommit crime, and they go back to their uh, to the poor neighborhoods and infect other people, but it doesn't last that long, so it doesn't really get out of the neighborhood, and so it's a way to arrest more people in those poor neighborhoods because they're more likely to commit crimes. And then he kind of like turns and at the end of this series, uh, or at least Chip's run. Now he hates like the cops and he hates the law and he's like, I'm gonna get out of this fucking jail. And it's just like, bro, that was one fucking guy, baby. Like when he said, when they come to get Bullseye, he's like, here's Bullseye, you're welcome. And he's like, the fuck you done lately? And it's like, dude, this cop doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Like he's just out there doing his job. (laughs) And he just now hates the police and the, like the whole, once again, the whole Avengers showing up to bail him out seems like a big day's ex mocking out being like, you know what? How does he get out of this? You know what? Avengers show up. And they're all like, fuck you, cops. <laughs> you guys are pieces of shit. And I was like, well, he's like, Daredevil, Spider-Man literally says this. I don't think I've ever heard Spider-Man, like, it doesn't feel like Spider-Man at all. Daredevil just exposed killers in your system, helped capture a mass murderer, and that was just today. What have you done? And I was just like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> yeah, a mass murder. He had a bunch of clones that really sucked, and we all took them out all at one time. It was really tough. Maybe Spider-Man yeah. got some of that fucking thing in his system. He's ready to fucking wanna, punch this guy in the face. I want to know how does um how does the Stark tech help uh, Elektra when she isn't blind? I don't understand. How does she have something in her cowl or in her mask that showed the sonar of her oh, yeah. banging her side together? I don't. It, I thought that her bullseye because it like. He was bleeding out of his ears and whatnot, so he got like discombobulated. They never really got into her suit, and it literally was only for this issue. So, like, I don't even know, Alex. I think you're supposed to assume that it just works, <laughs> like, not question it. I mean, Maybe I, it's I, like the. Uh... So, all she needed to know was that there was two people there. I just, he made it, she says that, you know, Stark made this for, for Daredevil not knowing that Matt is blind. So that the sonar would help him even more. I don't know. I just, I get it. And it was a Guys, uh, choice to make the book progress. We're forgetting the the uh, awesome B story of Typhoon Mary wanting marrying a Will Fisk. Will Fisk. Why? Like, doesn't make any sense. Now that's why. Now it's going to be uh, uh, Daredevil's daddy, Wilson Fisk. Do you remember the Do you remember the first two arcs where Wilson Fisk is like pining, like he's depressed over Vanessa, yeah, and like his son, and then he's just like, you know what? No, typhoid Mary. He's because like, you look like Vanessa. A, yeah, <laughs> she's around, and like, obviously, not a lot of people that want to go out with me. <laughs> you know, earlier when he's talking to the other. Uh, mob person Izzy. Um, mm-hmm. I fucking yeah. forgot who she was for a second. So I thought he was talking to Aunt May on the phone. <laughs> then I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit, Aunt May!" When she's like, "Uh, when she's like a ruler without an heir is a target." And I was like, "This Aunt May's fucking. She's in it now." Um, <laughs> she's a motherfucker. She's gonna kill Peter. <laughs> uh, it was, I mean, the, once again, if you look at this art, I actually do enjoy this art a lot. It's not. What we expect from Chichetto, but there's some great panels in this thing. Like when they bullseyes on the ground and the cops first show up, like the coloring in that panel, the shadow work, fantastic. Like, how can I not look at that page and think it looks good? But the uh, the way that you get to quickly, once again, push the reset button and find a way to get out of this whole kind of way you box yourself in with Daredevil being in jail. Oh, how do we get him out of jail? Oh, the Avengers come and they say, you know what? Back the fuck off. We're higher than the law. <laughs> By the way, I, I don't know whether or not this is leading to a story or something like that, because there is that weird random panel with the thing talking to Mr. Fantastic where he's a stretch. I got to say this whole thing feels like we're all the edge of a cliff. And I was just like, what the fuck's that supposed to mean? <laughs> like, is that from a different... I think the thing was the only one who realized we all sound like pricks right now talking to these cops. And there's like the American flag in the back. I don't know. It's all fucking weird. Oh, by the way, when they go, <laughs> talking about guns again, when they go to stop Matt and they show up, at first, it's just a bunch of like riot cops and cops, regular beat cops with guns. And then out of nowhere in the panel where, where Spider-Man's like, terrible just exposed killers. There's some guy that is literally one foot in front of Spider-Man's face with a fucking grenade launcher. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, back the fuck up, dude. Like, you all of a sudden don't believe Spider-Man anymore? Or what's going on? 
That's awesome. <laughs> so it's, it's actually that. It's like shit gets out of hand. He was like, "Don't you fucking move, Spider Man! I got a grenade launcher right in your front of your face. I know it'll probably bounce off and hit me because I'm this fucking close." But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it, once again, I don't think you can fault Chip at all because he's told basically, "Hey, this is the end of your run. Go back to how it was." So then the next person can take over, and that's the kind of you know cycle that these kind of superhero comics come into. But I don't. It, it always seems like. There's when you want to write a fantastic story that's different than anything you've ever had, it it, it always seems like a letdown when you got to go back to, you know, uh, normal, and they basically have to make shit happen that doesn't make any sense to get back there. Because, like, how are you gonna get Daredevil out of jail? I guess you could have just been like one day he could have been like, no, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> I mean, because he had many chances to get out when they were like, yeah, come out, you don't have to do this. He's like, no, I have to. And then all of a sudden he's like, now when they're like, no, you got to go back because you broke out and you actually uh, took over that whole fucking jail and you know, it'll beat a lot of people up and uh, uh, some people maybe uh, injured uh, the rest of their life. And he's like, fuck you. And I was like, well, now you actually <laughs> did something, bro. Now you got to go to jail. So anyway, I don't know. But it's kind of insulting for like, I mean, us who've been reading this book now for three years and for it to... Not, not wrap up as nicely as it could have. And maybe, I don't know, maybe 36 would be fantastic. Maybe it will be the send-off that Chip needs for putting this much time and effort into a fantastically well-written Daredevil book with a couple uh, exceptions, writing-wise. But, I don't know. I want I want more from this book and not what we got in these last, specifically two issues. I'm going to give this one a six. I like the art a lot, but all those things I can't I can't excuse the choices made in the writing. I'm gonna go with a five. Like I, I was really not digging this and like it did the bullseye thing, which I'm so sick of. So like please next writing creative team do another villain and don't even bring bullseye into your series because like bullseye's been overdone. But uh, yeah, art was good, story not so great, and like seeing like the Next, you know, you see Electra Daredevil and Daredevil, like, kind of on the same cover. I'm just like, why? But, yeah, again, get it, but. I think five is, I think six is almost too high. I'm going to go with a five as well. Nice and plain, Jane. There was nothing that stood out that I enjoyed. A grand, like Garrett said, the, uh, that, that bullseye is just overused. Can you see this? He did show up. I was already sick of him. Alex, look at your phone. Have, like, a turnaround moment. Do you see this picture? No. I put, oh, I, you pulled the grenade launcher? Yeah. <laughs> Look how fucking close this guy is. <laughs> There's like, this guy, the cop's even talking to him. He's just like, dude, back the fuck off. Dude. I'm going to shoot you in the fucking face. Come on, I've never fired a grenade launcher, but I know you don't get that fucking close, bro. Like, it launches for a reason. Otherwise, you just use a grenade and you just drop that shit, you know? And whatever. Okay. Um, there you go. Daredevil number 35. Cheats. Uh, we got our uh, book club book, right, Garrett? What's it called? Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary Gentle People proudly presents Cheats by Brenna Thumbler. Uh, I think every time I say that last name, I just try to say it as fast as I can because I'm not sure how to say it correctly. <laughs> we were at the next uh, 44 pages or so. 
in this, which started with uh, a story uh, back in Ghost World. Which, by the way, I'm going to come out and say that I was wrong. Last week I had assumed that this was like, this Ghost World was not real. And it was like her interpretation of like losing her childhood early in life. Which may, it might be, uh, later on we'll find it's kind of like... Uh, uh, analogy for that but at this point it actually uh as we learn in these next 44 pages uh the ghost is real <laughs> and he joins the human world uh and now he is in the same place as marjorie and so we're going to see them interact what's the ghost's name again herbert wendell 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 he shows up basically he's like hey my girlfriend's gonna be showing up soon uh and the he was gonna go in the train he was like and kind of wanted to go back because he, he like she didn't show up or something like that if i remember correctly for some reason my fucking thing froze i can't go back and see the panel but I'm uh not sure. when he talks to uh baby timmy and baby timmy says well you can't use it. it's only for emergencies <laughs> and he goes well uh whatever she's coming here i'm a you know i'm a hopeless romantic and then he sneaks on the plane or on the train no one ever shows up he uses the train to escape to the living world which I want to know where that train station's at. The the one in the living world. How do you get from there to there? Yeah, he shows up. I don't know. And he shows up in the right town, in Marjorie's town, and he uh, goes to the uh, laundromat, uh, gives himself a little wash, and uh, goes to sleep on the floor, and she picks him up. He makes a whole huge fucking mess, which first off, window, like, come on, bro, you don't just show up somewhere and make a mess like that. Um, <laughs> what do you think they're all dead? Like, she, he's looking at the white laundry going, Oh, you guys dead too? And no one responds to him. So he's probably trying to wake him up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wake him up, wake him up, wake him up. Dude seems like a dummy to me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. so this guy that keeps coming in, uh, the older guy, um, that keeps pitching this resort and wants to take over the laundromat to make that money, he keeps talking to her. Does anybody find him just annoying in the story at all? Yes, like, of course. He's a, he a dirtbag. Like, yeah. I, I don't understand. Like, he doesn't listen to anything she's saying. And he wants to take over this business. And, like, how does he... Why is he talking to her when I was here? Her dad owns the business. She's just working there. And, and it doesn't... I don't know. The whole thing about it is fucking annoying. And I, I know that's the point. Like, you're not supposed to like this guy. But I don't think I've been er, ever been annoyed by a fictional character more than this motherfucker. <laughs> so, but I think it doesn't make sense because one, they live in the house that's above the laundromat. Hey, he says he'll give them free room and board. Well, he's a prick. Yeah, they do live upstairs. Talks about, well, I'm a yogi and I'm a master and I'm on this. I'm like, you're a prick. You're a prick. You're a prick. Shut the hell up. Get out of my house. Um. So in this issue, we see. That she kind of has this crush on a boy that uh, the popular girl does also. And the popular girl is trying to get his attention. Uh, he kind of sees her play music sometimes. She plays the piano. And the popular girl also plays the piano, but only he's doing it to get the attention of uh, the boy. And meanwhile, Marjorie actually loves playing the piano uh, and wishes that she could play more of it in actual band. There's that scene where she sends outside and listens to the music. But she almost seems like, well, A, she wouldn't have time for it because of what, all the responsibilities that she has. But she really wants to do it. So um, these uh, uh, next 44 pages, I thought, uh, were uh, nice. 
not really much happens in the uh, aspect of plot, but I think in terms of character building, actually, I guess the Wendell part plot moves a lot forward. But in terms of Marjorie, uh, not a lot of the plot moves forward, but instead we get a lot of interaction from her. And uh, I'm really, like I said, it's depressing her situation that she's in. And it's annoying <laughs> that these adults, not only this guy who's trying to like buy her laundry, family laundromat, in order to pay for some sort of resort in the Bahamas. But these other people who like show up and like, Oh, what the fuck you, you said it was going to be done. It's like, dude, this girl, <laughs> like she's fucking, you know, 12 years old. And like, I don't know if I could ever, uh, go to a comp, a, a business like that. I see that like a 12 year old girl is the only one running it and get mad that she's like late on something like the audacity of these people. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I liked, uh, it is cool to see Wendell, like, interacting in Marjorie's side of the, side of the world, uh, I liked, you know, we've seen that scene of the laundromat and, like, the sun in the distance, and we got to see Wendell, like, flying in there, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for the next part of them, like, meeting and interacting, and, uh, We're gonna get yeah. the ghost story that Alex wanted, I thought it was gonna be some sort of just analogy for the situation that she's in, but Alex, it is gonna be a ghost story. I, yeah, I, I was that. not expecting that at all. I thought it'd be in sheets. It was supposed to be people dressing up as ghosts, and or that was like they were. Anyway, I've uh, I'm enjoying the book. I'm almost at the point where I need to get. It needs to take just a little bit more of a turn, or a little more twist, or a little more intrigue for me to be really sold. It's been good. The art is fantastic. Uh, I can stare at some of those panels when you got to page seventy six. And it was just the sunrise rising over the city. I love that. I wish it would have just been like a whole page spread. Um, story-wise, kind of, kind of boring. To an extent, kind of boring. Wendell, I'm excited to see him actually either scare the shit out of Marjorie. Because she told you in the first like three pages, uh, she doesn't like laundry and she doesn't like ghosts. Well, baby, here they come. Sheets. Um... What's it saying? You're gonna get your ghost story out of this. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I think the uh, turn you're looking for, Alex, might happen in the next section because now that you have the interaction between the two, and uh, so I'm very much looking forward to that. You know, we've got a Casper story going on here. You ever see that movie? Yeah, gonna uh-huh. have. Gonna see that a little Casper. Hey, Garrett, is that is that around your age or is that too old for you? The original Casper with Bill Pullman. Yeah. The Presidente? <laughs> um, yes. Uh, yeah, I used to watch that all the time as a kid. And funny enough, uh, I saw on TV uh, Casper Meets Wendy where Hilary Duff was getting, like, I think that was her first role as a Casper movie. So, mm, Casper you know about that? Wendy. What is the uh, El Presidente in the ID2 uh, 3D? Um, is he uh, in that movie? Yeah, he is. Oh, I never of saw Of course. That. Is it good? I never saw it, but I saw him in the trailer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't think you guys can, uh, I don't think Lightning can strike twice in that franchise. So. Uh, come on, bro. <laughs> it had uh, it had uh, one of the Hemsworths in there, uh, Liam. I didn't even know he was in it. Was he in it? I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. Um, I know Jeff Goldblum was in it. Bro, he was also in that second Jurassic World movie. For two seconds. Okay, that's true. That is true. Dude is uh, just waiting to cash them checks. So <laughs> any movie that he was in a prior, he's like, you guys they ever think about making the fly too? I can show up for like 10 minutes. I'll be in it. 
Actually, he dies in that first movie. Spoilers. Oh, shit. <laughs> but, uh, um, anyways, sheets. Uh, I'm very much looking, uh, liking it so far. You know what's weird for this one? And I think actually the way we're going to do this, um, I don't remember if we rated it last time, but I'm going to wait to the end since this is just one quote, one story and you're supposed to read the whole thing at once. Not, not once, but, you know, it's one story. And we usually give reviews, uh, at the end of each issue. And so it'd be weird to read this, I think. Um, only half of it and try to judge it on that. So as Alex stated, we're only just getting into it about a hundred pages. I think we've set the, uh, the old, uh, baseline here, the old bedrock Alex, and we're going to get the, uh, now the plot of the story going forward. So nice sheets by Brenda. Thumbler. Brenna. Brenna Thumbler. See, I don't even want to say the first name. You should say the, you say the first name. I'll say the last name. Boom. Brenna. Thumbler. I don't know if that's right, but I'll take it. Uh, there we go. WednesdayComics605 at gmail.com. That's the email address. While you're there, go to WednesdayComics.com and uh, um, subscribe to the show. You know what? Actually, uh, they changed the terms. I'm going to say follow the show. Uh, they changed a lot of the... On Spotify, it's follow. On Apple Music now, it's follow. I mean, Apple Podcasts. Uh, so follow, subscribe, whatever the choice that they give you. That's what you need to do. Um and uh, uh, you can hear more of uh, our thoughts on comic books. And every once in a while, you know what? Our thoughts on Halloween candy. So, you know what? Thanksgiving is coming up. We're going to talk about the Turk. And uh, in, in December, we might talk about a little man called uh, Old St. Nick. Uh, old St. Nick. He's a jolly old man. Do you think uh, Santa Claus... Let's say, Alex, you met Santa Claus in real life. And you put on the gloves, and he put on the gloves. Do you think he can take him out? Is he going to use magic? He can't use magic. He's just a man. Okay. He has, uh, he has a magic sleigh, which is what makes him be able to fly around, but the man himself has no magic. I'm going to go probably not. I mean, what does he do on 364 other days when he's not working? He's got the elves to do all the, the hard work of making toys. I think he's wearing a fat suit. The dude's probably ripped out of his fucking mind. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to fight him. Hmm. What you actually don't know, Alex, is that by you not fighting him, in 2035, Santa Claus goes berserk, and instead of going around the world in one night to give everybody presents, he goes around the world in one night to make sure that's the final night of that earth. So you caused the apocalypse. Thank you. To be fair, sounds like if I know that in 2035 he's going to do that, I think I still got time to take him out. So that's fine. Now you declined the challenge. That and you took him 15 years to freak out? Yeah. Have you ever seen T2? Someone. That shit doesn't happen the next day. It takes a while. Someone needed, should have stepped up and gone, hey, Easter Bunny, go talk to Alex. Have Alex challenge Santa to a fight. Mm. Find us on Twitter at Wednesday Comics at AP Keaton. The AP Keaton, excuse me, forgot the uh, article there. At Karat2188. At Marvin underscore Saguaro. <laughs> Make sure to visit our sponsors, Roots at Swamping.com and Rainbow Comics and Cars.com. And, uh, 605-215-1849. I think it's that already. That's our voicemail number if you want to leave a voicemail. But go to WednesdayComics.com. Buy some merch that's on there. 
holiday season's coming up. Who wouldn't want a Wednesday Comics beanie? You know what? I'll make a holiday kind of logo. There we go. That'll be the new merch. I'll put that up there. Uh, uh, actually, I have an idea right now. I'm going to mark this down right here in the sh- thing so I don't forget for tomorrow. And uh, uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So there we go. Uh, once again, a fantastic week coming up here. I don't know about this last fucking week with that Daredevil book. Uh, what a... You know what? That's kind of thing, though, right? If you're reading those kind of books, you had to at some point expect that you're going to be let down because they can only do so much. And uh, Chip is killing it with his own book, Stillwater. So uh, I know it's not on him. Sorry, Chip. Sorry I had to give you a little six on that book today. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> don't, don't, hate, don't hate me, Chip. He'll forgive you. Chip, don't hate me. <laughs> I I, I, I I had a ten in mind going in, then it went down every page. <laughs> For Wednesday comics, I'm Marvin. I'm Alex. I'm Garrett. Hey everyone, stay warm and keep turning those pages. <laughs> <laughs>